0: Hello and welcome to The Reboot Podcast. My name is Dr. Beth Gracie. I am a pharmacist. I am a certified health, nutrition, and fitness coach, and I look to help you feed what's hungry, mind, body, and belly. In this podcast, we are going to examine things that are physical and mental health in nature. We're gonna look at all the things that support the goals that you have for your individual body and find simple solutions that work within your lifestyle. I look forward to getting to know you and welcome to the podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome. My name is Dr. Beth Gracie. I am a pharmacist. I am a health, nutrition, and fitness coach, and today on this Reboot podcast, we are gonna be talking about tracking. We're gonna be talking about intentional actions and intentional tracking, because a lot of us have grown up with the idea that eat less, move more is the way to lose weight. And if you are of a certain age, if you have started to notice some shifts in your body, some shifts in your metabolism, some shifts in your hormones, some different things that have been going on, um, a lot like me, um, that whole idea of eat less, move more is not super effective. So what I want to talk about are the things that we can track that are actually useful. Because if we're just tracking calories, that whole thing of calories in versus calories out, it doesn't work as well now and you know once upon a time maybe that was the right solution but if you have noticed some shifts in your hormones if you would notice some shifts in your metabolism if you've noticed some shifts in your stress levels and how what used to work isn't working now then that's what we get to talk about today so what i want to talk about are actual things that we track that are useful we can track calories all day long calories all that calories are is a measurement of energy it's just the heat exchange that happens in your body is thermodynamics. It's physics, right? So you eat this thing, your body temperature rises. It's the thermodynamic effective food, and there's a whole there's there's a whole ton of science that is that is surrounded by the thermodynamic effective food. And you know we can save that for another day. What we need to know really right now is what you eat and how you move are the equal. If you take in 500 calories, 500 units of energy from food, and you burn 500 calories, does that equate to fat loss? And that's really what we care about, right? Most of the people that talk to me, most of the people that seek out you know, support are looking for solutions to weight loss. They're looking for solutions to changing their body fat composition. And as perimenopause and menopause happen... You know, there's the whole there's the whole thing about the menopause apron, right? And we start to see more belly fat, and it starts to get a whole heap more stubborn. You know, what we used to do doesn't work now. We can't just like go and run, and then see changes. Now, if we go and run, we see changes, but they're the opposite effect. That's really what I want to talk about here is that sometimes we're tracking the wrong things, and so if you have A goal of body fat composition change. If you want to lose weight, if you want to lose body fat, we have to start considering some different things. So Let's talk about what those are. If we are talking about tracking, things that are useful aren't necessarily calories. It is, yes, there's a whole thing. If you want to lose weight, you have to be in a calorie deficit. Yes, absolutely. You have to be burning more than you're taking in completely. However, a calorie is a unit of measure it's a unit of heat it's a unit of energy it is not a unit of nutrition and that's the most important thing that i want to stress to you here is that if we're tracking just calories if we're tracking where that energy comes from that energy can come from a bazillion different places that energy can come from skittles that energy could come from eating grass that energy could come from eating cardboard it can come from eating a bazillion different things. But the nutrient quality, the nutrient density, the vitamins, the minerals, the actual macros, the fat, the protein, the carbohydrate content is not the same calorie to calorie. So you could have 2000 calories that are made up of nothing but pizza and cake and Skittles, right? I don't know why I'm stuck on Skittles today, but Skittles is where we're at. Or you could have 2000 calories that are made up of chicken and eggs and kale and carrots and broccoli and chickpea pasta and hummus and guacamole and apples and fill in the blank of a a, a ton of different things, right? But you can see the difference between how you're going to feel if you have 2,000 calories of junk food versus 2,000 calories of something that has actual vitamins, minerals, protein, fiber, omega-3s, actual nutrient density. So that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to give you you three different things that we can look at for what is actually worthy of your energy spent in tracking. Yes, we kind of need to know kind of that baseline of what are you eating so that we know, do we need to go up? Do we need to go down? But more important of do we need to go up or do we need to go down is what do those things need to be comprised of? So top three things, we need to talk about protein, We need to talk about omega-3 fatty acids, and we need to talk about fiber. And I'm looking at this from the perspective of inflammation. I'm looking at this from the perspective of hormonal impact. And so if we're thinking about people who are in that perimenopausal state of life, we're thinking about women who are in that menopausal state of life, meaning no period for 12 months or more, that is your qualification of menopause. there's, There's tons of things that we have to consider. And if we think about the average age of menopause being 51, and that's across the globe, it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter what that region is. It's still 51, 51 is the average age of menopause. And the average age of perimenopause is 10 years prior. So we've got quite a time span of things where we can, uh, quite a time span of when we can be experiencing symptoms. So it's not uncommon for women who are, 30 years old, 32, 35, to really start seeing changes in their metabolism, changes in their mood, changes in their body composition, changes in how intensity affects their recovery, changes in tons of things. It's not abnormal. So, what we do have to do is take a step back, recognize that, like, this is where my body is today. How do I need to care for it? How do I need to respect myself so that I can feel good all the way through my day? How can I feel good? and continue to reach the goals that I have for myself. So let's talk about protein. Protein is a big deal. You know, we have different nutritional requirements during every stage of our lives, right? If we are a baby, we have a completely different set of nutritional needs than when we do when we're 14, than we do when we're 20, than we do when we're 60, right? And we don't think about that. Like it's not unusual to think that a six month old baby is gonna do nothing but either nurse or have formula, right? And so it's not unusual to think, or it is actually, it is actually unusual to think that our nutritional needs are going to change from when we are 10 to 14 to 20 to 25 to 45, right? We think like we're grown. This is how we eat. It's not, it's not. And that's what we're going to, that's what we get to talk about. That's what we get to talk about. And I say get to, because it's a really exciting thing to take that control back. It's a really exciting and empowering place to understand your body so that we can work with our physiology. If we're fighting against it, we are fighting a losing battle. We have to understand what's happening so that we can nourish that current need. So that's what we're going to talk about. So protein. We have a higher protein need than we do when we were littler. Littler as in like 20. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm 41. That's half my age, right? Like it's a whole different... It's a whole different era, whole different era for a million different reasons. But that protein requirement is really important because our bodies don't we don't make muscle in the same way as our estrogen starts to decrease. Estrogen is our anabolic hormone. Anabolic means it builds muscle. If we don't have that present, we have a really hard time building our muscle. Why is muscle mass important? Our lean muscle mass is our it's where we house our mitochondria. That is the thing that is our literal fuel. It's our engine for burning fat. If we don't have as much muscle mass, we do not have the same capacity for being able to burn fat. Not only that, as our capacity for building muscle decreases as we get older, our capacity for breaking our muscle down goes up. So that's kind of a jerk move (laughs) as, as we age is that, you know, We don't have the same potential to build muscle, but we can't even keep it. And so if we can't even keep it, we have to make sure that we're giving our body enough of the building blocks that it needs to be able to build, restore, be able to perform the functions that our muscles need. So what that means, our muscles are made of protein. We need amino acids. We need protein, which means we need eggs. We need animal proteins. We need tofu. We need nuts and seeds. There are a ton of different places that we can get that we can gain that protein from, no matter what your dietary preferences are. But what's super important is the amount that we need per day. So for regular population, we need 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per kilogram of body weight per day. That's regular population. As we start to accelerate in our age, to that perimenopausal menopausal state, our protein requirements go up. It's 1.4 to two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So how do we know what that is? Take your scale weight, divide it by 2.2. That's how many kilograms you have. Now divide or divide, oh my gosh, times multiply, multiply (laughs) that kilogram by 1.4. That's how many grams of protein per day we're looking for. Then we can start to build that menu According to what your body's needs might be, it can be a lot of food. I struggle with a protein goal. It's really hard for me to eat that volume of food because protein takes a really long time to digest. So I feel really, really full, really, really fast with protein. So it's really hard sometimes for women, especially, to be able to meet those protein goals without some level of supplementation. I'm going to save that for. For a different podcast, for a different discussion, but for right now we just need to kind of get that baseline of where we are so we know how can we increase, do we need to decrease, and where can those protein sources come from so that we can meet those goals, so that we can feel satisfied, we can feel strong, and continue to stay safe and continue to keep the muscle that we have in order to burn fat, in order to keep our energy, in order to maintain the goals that we have. So, protein. Number one thing, 1.4 to two grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. And there we have it. Number two, omega-3 fatty acids. We need fat. Our hormones are fat soluble hormones. If we don't have enough fat circulating through our our bloodstream, our body's going to create that for us. That's a whole deal. We have to eat fat. I grew up very much in the era of no sugar, no fat, everything was zero everything, everything was like, you know, super count this zero calorie, if it is zero calorie, if it is zero fat, if it is zero sugar, um, it's not going to taste like anything. So if it doesn't taste like anything, that's not helpful for our food science. And so they start to add chemicals to replace those things so that actually tastes like something. That again, topic for another day. But you understand where I'm coming from, where We start to supplement those things and it doesn't actually serve our purpose. So fat is that's good. Fat is good. The right kinds of fat are good. Not all fats, same thing as calories, right? Like you can get a ton of calories from something that doesn't serve you, or you can get a ton of calories that really are nutrient dense and help your goals. Same thing with fat. So what we're looking for with those omega-3 fatty acids, some of the biggest sources, avocados nuts and seeds. Chia seeds, flax seeds, stupendous for the amount of omega-3 fatty acids that they have in their tiny little packages. Other sources, so those are good plant sources, animal sources, fatty fish. Absolutely fatty fish top of the line for the amount of omega-3 fatty acids that you're going to get from excuse me that you're going to get from there. Coconut oil. Those are medium chain medium chain triglycerides, sometimes you'll see that as MCT, MCT oils. Also in that same, that same realm of really, really healthy fats, fantastic for cardiovascular health, fantastic for mental health, really, really important for anti-inflammatory action. So nuts and seeds, fatty fish, like salmon, like tuna, sardines are one. I have a, I have a really good friend that absolutely loves sardines. I, I have a hard time. I can't get behind it. And I want to, and I love her dearly, but like, I can't do it. The first day that I saw her like peel back the tin of sardines and she started up with a fork and she was like, just eating it out of the can. And I was like, honey, I love you, but I I can't, I can't do it. Um, but fantastic source of protein, fantastic source of omega-3 fatty acids. But what's super, super important about these is they're anti-inflammatory. In fact, Anti-inflammatory effect, when we get to that place of perimenopause and menopause, as our estrogen goes down, estrogen not only is that anabolic hormone, but it's also our anti-inflammatory hormone. As our inflammation goes up, our cortisol goes up, our stress hormone goes up, so we need to combat that with as many things as we have control over. We don't have control over the external stresses in our world. We absolutely have control over the things that we put into our bodies, our inputs. So omega-3 fatty acids are a really great way that we can support our mental health, our cardiovascular health, our anti-inflammatory health. Omega-3 fatty acids are fantastic for prevention of Alzheimer's disease. Fantastic for mood stabilization. So anytime that we can get those omega-3s into our bodies, recommended dosage, if you will, is one to two grams of omega-3 fatty acids per day. You can do that through food. You can do that through supplements, tons of different ways that we can get them in from animal and or plant sources. And then the third one is fiber. Fiber is huge. Fiber is huge for a ton of different reasons. One of the most important reasons is is detox. Fiber binds to a ton of different chemicals, that we eat from our environment, that we eat from you know, different food sources that we absorb from environmental things that we can help to detox from just metabolites from things in our bodies, including our hormones. As our hormones break down, there are different estrogen metabolites. I mentioned that estrogen is an anti-inflammatory hormone. There are different types of estrogens. There are different ones that are inflammatory and different ones that are anti-inflammatory. Fiber binds to the inflammatory estrogen metabolites and allows us to excrete them. means we have to poop. Fiber helps us poop. Our gut is that first line of defense against waste. And If we can excrete the waste products so that our body isn't having to fight against it, if our body doesn't have to work so hard to get rid of the things that don't belong there, our bodies can function as they're supposed to. Our gut eliminates those things. We're not reabsorbing any of those inflammatory substances, which is what happens if we're constipated. If we can't poop, we're just gonna reabsorb the same toxins over and over and over again. That's not fun. So if we can get rid of that, fiber is a really good way to keep everything moving. Fiber is also a really good way to keep our blood sugars very stable. If we have that roller coaster of super high blood sugar and super low blood sugar, we've got giant spikes and giant troughs. Anytime we have excess of anything, whether it's sugar, whether it's insulin, whether it's cortisol, whether it doesn't matter what it is, excess of anything, our body freaks out. Our body always wants to stay in that state of balance, in that state of homeostasis. So fiber helps us to not have giant spikes in our blood sugar, which means we don't have giant spikes in our insulin, which ultimately ultimately leads to not giant changes in our belly fat composition. And that's what I want to, that's really the place that I think we need to pay attention to is if we have those, if we have that roller coaster of up and down blood sugar, that's a thing that directly leads to an increase in belly fat. So if we have things that help to keep us fuller for longer, if we can combine our food groups to not just have a carbohydrate on our own or on its own, we can combine that with a fat or a protein, if we combine that with fiber, right? So what I mean by that, if you have an apple. Apple is fantastic as a nutrient dense food. It's got fiber, it's got nutrients, it tastes delicious, it's got carbs. There's a little bit of protein in the skin of that apple, super. You are going to be way better off to have an apple with almond butter rather than an apple by itself. You can have carrots. Carrots, super nutritious, right? Like tons of vitamins and minerals there, but a very starchy veggie. You are gonna be better off from a blood sugar perspective, from a fiber perspective, if you dip your carrots in guacamole than to have your carrots by themselves. So there's tons of ways that we can kind of tweak what those food combinations are and continue to add diversity to your diet so that you've got a mixture of good quality proteins, good quality, omega-3 fatty acids and fiber. So that as you go along through your day, you're keeping your blood sugar stable. You're taking control of those inflammatory and anti-inflammatory components in your world. And you're recognizing These are the things that I need to support the goals that I have for my body, not just today, but long-term. So hopefully you've got some really good ideas of what you can do right now, how you can kind of tweak the things that you love. And as always, if you have any questions about any of those things, feel free to comment below, feel free to reach out. You can schedule a consult. We can look at some case reviews, tons of different ways that we can dive in one-on-one if that suits your needs. Any of that information for how to contact me is within, within all of the information in the podcast. I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for spending some time with me, and I will see you soon. Bye, friends.